0: Welcome, everyone. I'm Sue Barber, author, former IT director for a Fortune 500 company, turn executive coach. And this is the Visibility Factor podcast, where we explore how to raise your visibility and play bigger at work and in life. We'll explore key topics and welcome guests that help you shift your thinking about yourself so you can see new possibilities for your leadership. I'm on a mission to create a visibility movement for leaders to show their value and be seen for their true talent. Are you ready to take the next step towards a higher level of visibility for yourself? Let's go. The Visibility Factor podcast is brought to you in part by the 90-Day Visibility Breakthrough Accelerator Program. Do you believe deep down inside that you can have a bigger career, but you don't know how to get there? You can keep doing what you're doing, but what if there is a better way that could accelerate your progress? This 90-day program is a powerful experience that is unique to you and provides dedicated time to focus on your specific challenge. It gives you the time to develop big ideas and plans to execute them, including the tools, resources, and motivation needed for success. Hundreds of clients have used this same program to take them to the next level in their career and to create a better life. Join me in a 90-day experience that focuses on challenges like creating a strategic plan, how to lead an organizational change, or prepare for a career transition. This dedicated time will help you see new possibilities, recognize your strengths, and take away key insights that can be leveraged immediately. Are you ready to create a breakthrough for yourself? If you're interested in learning more, visit susanmbarber.com forward slash visibility breakthrough accelerator for more information and to sign up for the program. I look forward to seeing you there. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Visibility Factor podcast. This is Sue Barber, your host. I'm so excited today to bring you my guest, Vidya Ramachandran. She is an amazing coach and has done so many cool things in her past life before becoming a coach that you're going to learn a lot from her today. And I'm really excited to share her with you. Thank you for coming on the show, Vidya. Thank you, Sue. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yay, of course. So I'd love it if you do an introduction of yourself and your background so that all the listeners can hear a little bit Bit more about you?
1: Yeah, sure. I am Vidya Ramachandran. Just like Sue said, and I'm a recalibration strategist and a self leadership catalyzer. Sometimes I flip that around. <laughs> um, and so, basically, what I do is I work with a lot of ambitious women who might have come to realize that the boxes they've been checking off—the job, the um, the life, you know, life choices, the the house that they might have bought—all those things are not really making them or bringing them the happiness and fulfillment that they thought it would. And they've come to realize like, wait, maybe my path is actually supposed to be something different. And maybe the path I'm on is something that I've taken on because of either conditioning from either society or things we've taken on from our culture or family. And so what do I do now? (laughs) So I'm at that point of, I want to recalibrate to what I really want, but I don't know where to start. And so that's usually when I start working with clients to really mm. help them understand what lights them up, what you know ignites their spark, and what are the things that they can start bringing into their life and the path that they can start taking that will be more aligned to them.
0: Nice. And I know that you had a past life before becoming a coach. So, and I know it's kind of fast. It was fascinating to me when I learned about it. So I'd love for you to share a little bit about that too, if you wouldn't mind.
1: Yeah, sure. I, I actually started out in undergrad as a chemistry. Uh, I have a chemistry degree <laughs> and um, very quickly after realized, you know, I had always had anxiety when I was in a chemistry lab, even when I was in school, very early on my first job. I uh, realized that I was not meant to be in a lab. I was just always having anxiety panic until I had an actual major panic attack at work one day. It was six weeks in and I was like, OK, you know what? This isn't working. And so I've actually since then really pivoted a lot. Um, I've done finance, financial compliance, Um I've worked in market research. In the middle, I went and got my MBA um, at Lake Forest Graduate School of Management. And then I had a moment when um, I don't know if it was like I hit my 30s or I was about to hit 30. And, you know, that moment of what is it that we're meant to do? type of question. Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Question that I had for myself, where I came to the conclusion that something was really missing. I couldn't quite put my finger on it. And then I thought. You know what? I think I'm meant to go into academia, and so I applied and I was accepted into a PhD um, marketing program. Um, But then, two years in, you know, over time, you know, I I was doing everything I was supposed to do. Thought I was doing everything. My life choices, like you know, I, I was ticking off all the boxes, and it slowly started to become very clear over the course of 16 months that I was in the program. So it was the end of the my third semester. And I realized I was just so miserable. I was crying more nights than I wasn't. And I really had to have that conversation with myself and that reflection within myself of, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? And what would it mean if it's not? And what would I be doing? And, or what should I be doing? and And so really at that point... I was weighing a lot of, is it the disappointment I would have in myself or the disappointment I was expecting to hear about from my family, from my community? Or do I continue on this, this, in this program and continue to try to keep pushing that? It felt like I was pushing a rock or a boulder up a mountain. And so what is it that really I could with myself, but you know, with, and also I I think at one point I just had to sit with myself and say, okay, all of these things that I thought I would get from becoming, you know, being in this PhD program, becoming a professor, some of it was, yes, very felt like it would be professional and personally fulfilling, but some of it was, I thought it, you know, it would help me, it would bring this external validation that, what does that mean? And I had to really sit with that. And it was years after that I really acknowledged that I thought getting a PhD and having that doctor in front of my name, when I come from a family where my father is a physician, and my sister, younger sister is a physician, um, would help bring this sense of validation within me that I thought otherwise I could not get. And so it was a lot of these big questions that I was grappling with and, and working through until I was talking to one of my friends because thank goodness for our community and our circles. Um, and she said, you know what? You sound like you're miser- You're just miserable. Like, I don't think the question is whether or not you stay in the program. I think it's what do you do next? And that led me on a path of some self-exploration. But then I was like, you know what? I need a job. I need health insurance. <laughs> And so I, you know, got back into market research because that's what I knew and different industry. But I and I moved to a new city. And then within six months again, I was like, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? And, And so it kept coming back to this question of what do I really want for myself And I had maybe touched on the surface along the way, but not really taken the time to do that deep dive, that deep reflection and connection. And so I did a couple more pivots um, before I started coaching. Uh, You know, I was, you know, I got into global health nonprofit work. And again, it it felt rewarding for a while, but there was something just missing. And then as I naturally started, um, people started asking me for support with coaching type, you know, career progression and especially because they'd seen I had done a lot of pivots myself. Um, how do I, you know, frame something that, you know, how do I reframe something? I was getting a lot of those types of questions. Um, that's what actually led me to consider, uh, you know, this, this work that I'm doing now.
0: I mean, okay, there's so much in there that, <laughs> that I would love to just um, dive into. We could dive into for hours, but I think the, the interesting words that you used around pivot Being able to pivot and being willing to take the risk to do that uh, in from very different things, right? That all those different things. I think it's also uh, how many shoulds we live with, right? From our family, from our, you know, just culturally, socially, everybody has a whole list of shoulds that they're supposed to follow. And I think you questioning that for yourself and trusting that, like, this doesn't feel right for me, is really, really just a great example for others, I'm sure, who are probably maybe not so happy where they are today <laughs> to explore and think about for themselves. And great questions that you asked yourself. I think those are really great questions.
1: Yeah, and I and I do think checking in with ourselves is so important because right before I went, you know, the four years, five years that before I went to the PhD program, I was loving my job. I had amazing coworkers and friends and colleagues. Like they became my social circle. Um, I was traveling to really cool places. Like I got to go to Cairo for a sales and marketing meeting where I was presenting. Oh. Like, like, you know, I got to do a lot of things I would not have been able to do otherwise. And yet, I think what happened is I, I was like 27, 28, 29 around that time, and I could see. There was one moment I so clearly remember I was sitting in my cube, working on our, you know PowerPoint as we often do. <laughs> and I could just see this road going out for the next 40 years, and my body just contracted. And that is, I think, where, you know, when we're in the day to day, sometimes we kind of forget to think about what is the bigger picture? What is it that we really want for our lives? And then in that moment of seeing like I could see the career and life progression going along the road and there was something there that I knew if I had stayed for the next 10, 15, 20 years, it would have been great. Like I would have had a great salary, great benefits, all of that stuff, continue to work with great people. But I would probably continue to wonder, is there something else? Mm
0: -hmm. So how was the experience? I know for me, when I left corporate and, you know, I recall a paycheck kind of job, right. And went into this world of having my own business. It was, um, I got a lot of pushback from a lot of people. (laughs) What are you doing? What are you crazy? Why would you do that? I was wondering how that experience was for you because you pivoted a number of times. How was it for people to see you doing this now?
1: It's very interesting because I have one subset of um, family and friends who are like, oh my God, that's so inspiring that you're doing your own thing and you're, you know, you're showing us what's possible. Um, And then I've got another subset are like, what are you doing? <laughs> can you explain what you're doing? Yeah. Um, but I think what they see overall is they see how much happier I am. Um, how and, and not just happier, I think they see, I can share about the impact that I'm having with other people. And I think that's also, there's a common thread throughout everything I've tried and jumped through is like, I was always able to, for the most part, tie what I was doing with, here's the impact, whether it's on a very micro level or a macro level. Like when I was doing global health work, I got to work on um, the project that was the, became the national healthcare quality strategy for Ethiopia, which I was like, oh my gosh, that's, that's really impactful. Um, But you know, when I'm doing, you know, when I went into the PhD program, part of it was like, oh, I can inspire students Right. And maybe that'll have an impact. And so I think even though I've had a lot of pivots, the people who are in my life thinking, what in the world is Vidya doing? (laughs) They can still see that that thread of I want to help somebody else and I want to be able to help them make their impact. And so that's that's starting to pull through a little bit more. Um, I will say when I was doing pure career coaching, it was a lot easier to explain than what I'm doing now, because <laughs> I am now really bringing in a lot more of like body connection and really um, energy, war- you know, like energy management and some of these more um, not as, you know, practical and, and, you know, like layman type, like things that we're used to seeing. In, in our career progression. But every once in a while, I still get the, are you sure you didn't want to finish your PhD? <laughs> I'm sure they'd
0: still let you come back, right? <laughs> or are you sure you don't want to go back to, you know, one of the companies you worked for? <laughs> mm, yeah, I yeah, I definitely get a lot of that. And, and it was surprising. I got it from people that I thought would be big supporters. And so I, I just realized that my ability to take a level of risk that, felt comfortable to me was not someone else's level of risk for them and so I think it just helped me have compassion for those people that you know they're at a different place than I am and it's okay and they don't have to understand what I'm doing because I'm happy with what I'm doing and I think you as you step into that level of trust in yourself I think it just changes everything for you from your confidence to the level of how you work with people it just changes everything.
1: Yes. And I, and I really do think that's why having my own support system, like I have um, a small community of friends I've known for 10 years, some of whom are also on their entrepreneurial journey. Um, you know, I, I have my own business coach, so, you know, like having that core group of people who can see the way I'm going and really support, just like, you know, in corporate, I I had my mentor, I had, you know, some really great bosses and, and who really helped me track and, and kind of pave that path forward. And so having that here is also so needed because what I did not realize until I went into consulting, um, like global health consulting is how isolating it can be in your day to day, because I part of why I loved some of my jobs is the social aspect. <laughs> <laughs> of course.
0: <yeah. laughs> I think that we all, you know, just like you mentioned, that became your social circle. And that was true for me as well. And I think that's why it was hard to leave because I thought, wow, I'm leaving all of these people that I hang out with all the time and I'm not going to see them every day. So it, it definitely changes things. But so you've moved into this new world, I think. I would love for you to dive into a little bit about what you call yourself, because those are words that are probably different than most people might describe themselves as a coach. And I think that that would be helpful for definitely for everybody who's listening to understand a little bit better about how you work and why you pick those terms. Yes. So
1: catalyzer, I love catalyzer because I really see myself as someone who can ask the right question or you know, recommend a practice or something that will then spark the other person's um, aha and their ability to kind of get clear on what they want, who they are, stand up for themselves and really um, own, own their own leadership, right? Own their own self or lead their own self. And so that's why the phrase self-leadership catalyzer came into play because I really saw it as one. I've always been passionate about standing up for someone, uh, for myself or someone else or in the work that I, whatever type of work I was doing, um, really allowing someone else to have that space to thrive. And, and so that's where the the self-leadership uh, catalyzer came into play. And with the recalibration strategist, I just love anything about recalibrating, creating just like whether it's systems or, you know, coming up with a strategy on what is it that you can do? Like, what are those steps that you can take to get from where you've realized you no longer want to be or to no longer aligned to you to this vision that, and maybe it's a small vision, maybe it's, you know, no matter how every vision, everyone's path is important, right? Like it's mm-hmm. valuable. And so how is it that we can come up with a strategy to help you make those changes and come back to who you are and what it is that you truly want. And so that's where the idea of like recalibrating, um, it feels, I personally think it feels a little bit more doable when you're thinking in terms of recalibrating, cause you're not like going a full 180. Right. It can can feel like, okay, recalibration is a little bit more achievable because it's like maybe smaller steps. And so, so what I tend to do in terms of working with, with my clients is I've come up with a, an unapologetic recalibration framework. And so we really start with where, where the client is, and the entry point is really getting clear on, you know, and really connecting to your inner foundation. And so for me, what I have found is that the key pathway to that is body connection. And, you know, and I talked at the beginning about how, um, and I'm sure so many of our listeners have experienced that where they, they feel that like sense of, for me, it was a lot of anxiety or contraction at different points, but maybe you feel excitement about something. And we don't necessarily, or we're not taught to like pay attention and and follow that or use that as intelligence of its own. Um, And so the, the pathway I really start with is connecting to our bodies. And then from there, once we're clear on our inner foundation and we're clear on what we're claiming as our, who we are, what we want, then we can move through the other parts of the framework, which are know, managing our energy and time, um, really sitting into and understanding what your own creative, you know, you as a creative person and creator and your creative cycle is because we're always all creating something. Like Mm -hmm. I used to think if I'm not an artist, I'm not creative, but that's not (laughs) the case. (laughs) Um, And then, you know, stepping into your next level narrative of, you know, after you've gone through and really come home to who you are, what you want, what you're standing up for, what you're claiming, then moving into actually
0: becoming more visible Mm -hmm. as that person. Yeah, I think it's so interesting. Well, I've told the story before on the podcast, but when I had the choice to take a role and stay at the company, my stomach just got all tied up in knots and I just felt nauseous. And I had known that feeling before in, in previous experiences. And I thought, okay, this is telling me something. I need to pay attention to it. And I think it's so fascinating how that probably happens for people every single day with big decisions or situations that they're encountering. But they choose to ignore it. And they choose to just keep going. And um, I had another guest on this show who was talking about like these little signs that happen And we ignore them until a big sign like hits you over the head (laughs) and says, hey, pay attention to me. So is that something like you've experienced with your clients or they're having those same kinds of experiences?
1: A lot of times I think they just get to the point where they're completely burnt out and they just they're so depleted and And so I will share, like I was saying, my own experience of like, you know, every time I stepped into a lab, I was feeling that anxiety. I didn't know what it was. I just knew I was in, in, you know, like this like low grade until, you know, four years later and I have my first job and I have a major panic attack at work. And so um, I, for my clients, what I've seen is they, they just start to feel the, the initial things and they just assume it's, it's something external that's causing it, which a lot of times it, it, it is, but also they don't necessarily know to take that chance that take that pause to check in with themselves until they get to the point where they have to take a break from work or, um, they're just so miserable in their day to day that they don't know. They feel like they've put themselves in a, in a, um, in a hole that they can't dig out
0: of. Yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty common too because you get used to a certain level of comfort, right? Paycheck, you know, job security, all of those things are true. But at the same time, if it starts to impact your mental and physical health, that is something to pay attention to because you're not, you mentioned the word energy and I think I'm seeing a lot more about that lately. Like if your energy isn't positive, you're not good leader for your team you're not thinking the best, you're not creative, and you're also bringing that negative energy home. So not a great thing for your family. So are you doing, tell me what you're doing around energy work. I think that's so fascinating.
1: Yes. And it's very interesting because I did not, I started delving into this. I I found a a couple people who talked about this and started following them uh, about three or four years ago. And I, you know, I, and I will say for, for me personally, just even noticing how cyclical. So so for women, they say that energy tends to go, our energy cycles tend to be around 28, 29 days following our cycles. And um, I think that the, the difference is for men, they say that it tends to be 24 hours that it cycles. Mm. And so what I have found is that just even tracking my energy month over month or just keeping note of like, this week is a great week for me to connect with with. Other people. And I'm glad we're having this conversation this week. Um, But there are some weeks where I just don't want to have anyone around me. I just kind of want to cocoon and I I just want to be focusing on like, what are some ideas that I want to play with and, and do more like solo inward work. And so I feel like being able to bring that into our environment and know, like, you know what, maybe having back to back meetings every day of every week is not a good thing. How can I kind of leverage my own energy patterns that I've noticed or the rhythms I've noticed to help me show up to the best, like as my full self to the best of my ability. Um, and so, so that's, yeah, there's so many fascinating things when we start looking at our energy and the way we're showing up and and how we can, how we can use that to, to help
0: support us. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's kind of interesting. I've never tracked my energy. I think that's a really, <laughs> a really cool thing to think about. You, you kind of go through it. Is it true from a daily perspective too? Cause I can definitely see like, I have highs and lows in my own energy and I've seen it in clients too at different times throughout the day and evening. Is that something you've looked well, yeah, at too? I think so.
1: I, I have found that I definitely, and I'm by no means an expert in this, in this area. I, um, I think there are a lot of factors that, you know, like nutrition and what is in our day. I tend to find that um, when I have a long day, the next day my energy flat like goes down mm. a lot sooner. Right. So like, so like I can like, so that's from a day-over-day perspective, even just managing it. Um, or depending on what we had for lunch, you know, (laughs) I I used to, I remember, you know, I would just be, you know, I'd have my lunch, come back to my desk. This is back when I worked in a, in an office environment. And within 20 minutes, I'd be so grateful. I didn't have a meeting because I just needed to put my head down on my desk. (laughs) Yes. Right. So there are definitely cycles, but I think what it is important to understand is it's individual for each of us. Right. So um, a lot of times I'd be following what other people are saying and it doesn't necessarily fit for me. So I've really started just you know, tracking a few different variables um, for myself and just noticing it. Are there patterns or trends over time? And then once I have that, then I can kind of say, okay, now I know that, you know, at this time of the month.
0: This time of the day, not a good time to have X, Y, Z, or it's the best time to have X, Y, Z. I remember Friday afternoons, people would want to have these really big meetings with me back when I was in corporate. And I'd say, this is not the day or time for me to have these kinds of meetings because I'm just burnt out from the week and my, my brain is just done. You know, so I really think it is important to pay attention to that and trust that there's maybe a better time where you're going to be more creative. You're going to be able to think about things differently and make better decisions if you just wait and not just try to push through all the time, which may not be the best option.
1: Exactly. I've really slowed down in the last year or so, and it's given me the space to process. And this is also why I love body connection, right? Like I really do think that if we give ourselves that space and we simplify it allows us to really connect to our emotions even and so then you know we are we're connected to our body we're connected to our emotions and we can be in that more empowered you know show up as that more empowered person and having the slowness really i need that to process and and some people they can tell right away right everybody's different but i have found I needed that and I didn't give, I didn't know that I needed that. And I hadn't been giving myself that. So really in the last year, just even that small shift of just like giving myself the time and space to really think through the, what it is that I want, let my emotions kind of settle in has been a game changer
0: for me in making decisions. Gosh, I'm so glad you brought that up because I think that's the The one thing that most people don't do, right, is they're so busy. I'm so busy. I have no time. I was just talking to someone right before we got on this call, and we were talking about a planning day. And I said, "Okay, block your calendar right now, (laughs) because there's always going to be somebody who wants to take your time. And if you allow yourself some time to reflect and plan and, you know, if you're leading a team or leading a big program, you need time to be strategic and think about what that means. So I love that you're giving that to yourself. I think that's a gift that everybody needs to give themselves, honestly, so that they can just slow down and process, you know, all the things that are happening for them in the best way. Yes.
1: And and saying no, like I had to say no to, a you know, two meetings in the last three weeks, like that I was just like, I don't have the bandwidth right now. Mm-hmm. And if you if I want to be present in this meeting, this is i'm not going to be with everything else going on and so yeah, yeah sometimes
0: we just have to say no or not now mm-hmm. yeah boundaries are a big word for me right now too <laughs> <laughs> space and boundaries yeah i think is so true because it's very easy to keep saying yes to everything but then you're only like to your point only halfway present not fully present and you want to give your best to clients and to yourself and to conversations. Yes. Well, this has been so cool. I am so excited for the work that you're doing. And I love that you shared some really vulnerable stories about yourself. So thank you for doing that. I know that uh, a lot of people are probably going through similar challenges and knowing that you have been able to pivot into a place that makes you really happy, I think is amazing. So I'm so glad that you shared all that with everyone. We're going to pivot into what I call the rise up and be visible quick tips. So these are four questions that I ask everybody on the show. So I'll start with the first one. Visibility is fill in the blank and then tell me why you answered that way.
1: Ooh, yes. I love this question. I think visibility is connection or being connected. And I why I answer it that way is because I really do believe in the power of having these types of connections and conversations and and having your community. And so there's a piece of being present in there as well. Like when you are having that connection with someone else, you are being present. And then that is a perhaps a, for me, at least a gentler way of being visible rather than thinking of visible as like being on a stage.
0: Yeah, I think that's what most people envision visibility to be. <laughs> that's kind of the premise of the book is you don't have to do it that way. You can do it very small steps. It, it really is much easier than you're, you're thinking it can be. So I love that what are the things that you are personally doing to be visible?
1: Right now, and I, and I love this question again, because it's like right where I am in my own visibility journey. Of I just started stepping into being more visible a couple months ago after a year of being really internal and um, working through a lot of things in my business and, and personal life. And so for me, it's been about, one is a mindset shift. So one, I had to really sit with, you know what? your experiences and the wisdom you get from your experiences are important and they're valuable. And so like a you know I a year ago I probably would not have been sharing the level of of what I've shared here today with you and your our listeners but mm-hmm. but I think there is something about really recognizing that it is that val- it can be valuable for someone else. And so there's that piece that having that mindset shift really helped. And then just starting with with my community and my network, because all through my career, the last 20, 20 plus years, I have really found that the opportunities where I did really well and I excelled at and I enjoyed were ones that came through a connection who said, oh, you should look into this, or I think you would be great at this. And so similarly, what I'm finding is the steps that I'm taking now that have really been feeling, I think, even safe, if, if I can use that word, um, is having these like these conversations with people that I'm, I really feel connected to. Just like, you know, we had our conversation a couple of weeks ago. I was like, oh my gosh, there's, there's things that, I'm like, we have some common, you know, points. And so coming from that perspective, I think is what really has helped me step more into my visibility. Like you said, the small steps. Right of having these more smaller conversations that feel more, I think, intimate and and safe, and um, and then that'll help us move into those those bigger places.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely had that same experience of my what does my own journey need to be to help other people and I wasn't willing to drop that armor for a really long time uh so it took me some time to work through that so I'm glad that you did that for yourself because I know what you shared today is going to help so many people thank you okay the next question uh what is the best leadership or career advice that you've received
1: yes so I had a two things um One is one of my directors uh, once told me I had moved, this was post PhD program when I'd moved into another market research role. So something I'd been doing for five plus years at that point. And I was really struggling and I couldn't put my finger on it. And what he told me as we were walking to the train one day after work was give it six months. And something will fall into place at six months. And I realized, you know, no matter what level you are, no matter how long you've been doing something, whenever you're stepping into some place new, it does take about six months. And about six months in, mm-hmm. it something clicked. And so that was one really important piece of advice I have shared with a lot of my clients. And then another piece is I was actually having um, lunch with one of my former directors in... in in Chicago, in Evanston, right before the pandemic hit, and um, and I remember, you know, I I told her, you know, Kay, I always thought of you as so poised and you know really good at presenting. And whenever she would be up in front of these like VPs and general managers presenting, and she told me, she's like, really, because a lot of times I was just nervous and and I felt like I was you know stumbling over words, and it made me realize that it is true. We are our own worst critics. And, and so having compassion for ourselves is also one of that, the lessons that I learned from, from that mm-hmm. experience as
0: well. Yes. Yeah, so totally, I resonate with all of that <laughs> for sure. Yes. Okay. And what is a book that you've read recently that you would recommend to the audience? Yes.
1: Yeah, so I am rereading because it's, it was a couple years ago, um, a book called professional troublemaker, the fear fighting manual. Um, or oh, fighter I, I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's by Lovia no. Jai Jones, and um, it's it's such a great read because it really ties into who we are. You know, getting clear on who we are and setting up for ourselves. And she she talks about it not from a we're creating chaos just for the the sake of creating chaos, but we're actually you know. Disrupting and creating chaos for that to make that positive change and make that positive impact, and so um, and she's also um, she's uh, a daughter of immigrants or she's an immigrant herself, and and so there are a lot of pieces from that that also the stories, personal stories that she shares Mm -hmm. that connected, and she's Mm -hmm. a Chicagoan, Um, and so connected (laughs) with me. (laughs) Because <laughs> I spent a lot of my time in that area, and um, yeah, it, it was—it's great for whether you're in a, um, an office environment, corporate, nonprofit, working, doing your own thing, and so I feel like it just the lessons in there spans across um, industry and and. You know type of work. Awesome.
0: Oh, that's really cool. Yes, I will uh, I will grab the link for that and put that in the notes so everybody can uh, check that book out. Thank you for being here today. I think you have shared some really impactful things for the audience to think about and to hopefully implement in their own lives, like just taking time for space and reflection and trusting yourself and, and just listening to your body and what it's trying to tell you it's sending you messages if you just pay attention
1: yes exactly thank you so much I really enjoyed our conversation and um thank you to your listeners so I hope they also
0: um had had fun this was fun for yeah me, so I hope it was fun yeah, for them it's always fun and, yeah. <laughs> I always have fun interviewing people for sure. And I will share all of the information about Vidya and the work that she's doing and the notes as well. So please check her out. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for everyone who's joined today on the Visibility Factor podcast. And we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks so much for listening to the Visibility Factor podcast. Remember that visibility starts with small steps that are intentional and consistent each day. Be bold, be visible, be the leader you were meant to be. Find us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Follow us on all of our social media platforms, which are highlighted in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Visibility Factor Podcast.